Phenopalatine ganglioneralgia is a rapid-onset headache caused by a sudden drop in oral temperature detected by your meninges. If you experience this headache, please stop your consumption and drink something more tepid to normalize your oral temperature and stop the pain. This is Secret Ingredients with your hosts, Kostavadantham and Kate Eirich. So, we had a party for WNYU, the broadcasting station. It was for the news department, and it was very lovely. Yeah, it was amazing. Thank you to everyone that showed up. Yep, um, behind the scenes with good ingredients. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, we made some ice cream uh, for the party. And, well, the day of, it was perfect, right? It was amazing. Very good. And, I mean, I was the one that took it home, and... I don't know what happened, but it went from ice cream to just, like, ice. Like, within a span of a couple days. So with homemade ice cream, that is typically what happens because just any time that it melts even a little bit and refreezes, it's not getting churned. So it's going to turn into just a giant block of, like, frozen milk, and it sucks. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then the second thing that is an issue with the ice cream is because water evaporates from the ice cream, especially when you have a partially empty container after you eat some, and the water that evaporates can actually refreeze and crystallize on the inside of the container. Mm, that's that ice. Yeah. And you get that coating of ice over the top of it and all over and you're like, my ice cream's ruined. Mm-hmm, yeah. It just it just takes over the entire carton of Cherry Garcia and you have to cry. No. So, mm. traditionally, you get these solid tiny ice crystals and they melt in your mouth into a liquid at an even rate, which makes them so creamy in your mouth. And it's what, like we love an ice cream, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in modern commercial creameries, first of all, it's very labor intensive in order to get that texture perfect, even in small batches. Mm-hmm. And so trying to scale it up to a commercial scale is like near impossible. It is an engineering nightmare. And so in order to get the ice cream to the point where the milk and the sugar and the cream and the egg all mixes perfectly, you know, and it all stays where it's supposed to, uh, normally you can achieve that through the churning process. But when you get to commercial products or even in home kitchens anymore like what you mentioned the high fructose corn syrup Mm -hmm. you use stabilizers and a stabilizer in general is any compound that keeps food from spoiling and in the case of ice cream that means that it helps the ice cream retain moisture so it doesn't do the evaporation crystallize awful thing and it prevents the formation of ice crystals which is why your melt doesn't always completely turn into ice cubes on there Mm. and it just generally keeps the quality of ice cream to the degree that is expected by consumers I use alcohol for that, for uh, preventing ice crystals. Yeah. So in the kulfi, I put like a shot of vodka in there. Great. And I I told no one, but that's what like allowed it to be a little bit more easy to scoop. It lowers the overall like uh, freezing point. So it'll form like ice crystals, but it's more for like at room temperature. Is it easier to scoop or not? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. If you add too much alcohol I've, I've heard stories of like just sludge and like yeah because it won't freeze yeah exactly it doesn't have the you know because the alcohol's freeze. in there yeah. yeah so when you buy ice cream at the store one of the most common stabilizers is an emulsifier uh, which is a compound that just takes the ingredients that would usually separate over time. So like in a vinaigrette, that might be oil and water. But in the case of ice cream, that's sugar and milk. And it keeps those things from separating. And so what is I wanted that to... egg? Hmm? Is that egg, the emulsifier? No. Um, so what I'm going to go on, stabilizer and emulsifier. You bring up high fructose corn syrup and you're talking about adding a little bit of alcohol even. 
in general, when you hear a stabilizer, uh, especially when you're like, ooh, they put stabilizers in your food, so that way its shelf life is longer, it's so artificial, it sounds scary, and it's a food additive, and we're told we want to avoid food additives because they're all awful for you and they're going to kill you. Mm -hmm. As we went over an MSG, that is not the case. case. So in this case... The emulsifiers and the stabilizers allow large-scale production of ice cream. Without them, you would never be able to eat half-baked. They wouldn't be able to be made. Okay, so they're all right in my book. Okay, yeah. And they aren't as artificial as you think. So one of the most common emulsifiers is lecithin, which is... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Lecithin is derived from soybeans for the most part. Damn, we're we're using lecithin? That's what Chef uses to make foams and stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's the same. It's the same reason you use it in a foam that you put it in an ice cream because an ice cream is a frozen foam. Yep, and um, it stays. It oh yeah, that's the stabilizer, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of them. That's that's why like chefs like usually foams don't last that long. But you know, if you use lecithin, then uh, it stays together long enough for it to get to the table. Yes. Oh, man, that... And lecithin is found in lot a lot of food products, those processed food products, which, I mean, people say processed food is bad. Again, everything you eat is processed. Ice creams and chocolate are some of the biggest examples of lecithin in, like, packaged goods. Um, also common are milk powders. Um, yeah, India does that a lot. Yeah. So much. And that would actually help keep the kulfi from crystallizing, even though it sits to freeze. Mm-hmm, yeah. So. Very cool. Uh, gums that are found in tree seeds, like guar gum. Oh, guar gum and like xanthan gum? Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, pectin, which is found naturally in fruit, and that's the mm-hmm. thing that gives yeah. them their firmness. So like an apple has more pectin than a strawberry. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, no, and no. carrageenan, which is a compound that's found in red si- uh, seaweed. I've never heard of that one. Uh, carrageenan, it, again, that one sounds scary. It's just a thing that seaweed makes that helps hold it together in water, which that helps a lot when you're making a foam. And Mm. it's another stabilizer to keep it from separating and being weird. And it actually acts very similarly to gelatin without Mm. being sourced from animals. So a good way to think of carrageenan is a little bit of this, you know, vegan gelatin in a sense. What about agar? Isn't that gelatin basically but vegan? Agar, I think agar contains carrageenan because agar is also sourced from seaweed. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, This is getting into like molecular gastronomy realm. Like, I know uh, Jordi Roca, David Chang. David Chang at Momofuku Co. uses guar gum and xanthan gum. And then Jordi Roca, he uses isomalt and pectin and stuff like that. I would almost argue that the concepts of molecular gastronomy more get into Science, the yeah. chemistry than the yeah. other. Yeah. Uh, but it's really cool that it works both ways. And it just allows commercial ice cream to be enjoyable, even after being kept in ideal conditions, such as being out left out too long during shipment or getting microwaved in your home kitchen. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> that sounded too much like a sales pitch. Talk. I tried. Or getting microwaved in your home kitchen. Listen, I've met multiple people who are like, yeah, just throw that thing in the microwave for like 30 seconds. If you did that with a product that did not, have stabilizers in it, it would you would just, just ruin your ice yeah. cream. If yeah. you froze it again, it would just be a big chunk of ice. You've put ice cream in the microwave before? I know people who have. Okay. I don't. All I right. use warm water, like a sane person. Yeah, I was just going to be like, really, though? All right, so Costum, mm. I have a question for okay. you. <laughs> yes, mm. go. <laughs> yes, dear. <laughs> Let me know. So, we've been talking this whole time. Uh, well, I mean, 
Yeah, we've been talking this whole time about ice cream, but we've been very specifically talking about like the French style of making and then the American industrial uh, style of producing a specific kind of ice cream. And I feel like the French weren't the only ones to say, let's put some milk in the freezer and see what happens. Of course, there's more. There's always more. There's always more things. The French aren't the only ones that got creative and wacky with their frozen confections. You know what I'm saying? Like, there are a lot of people that have different, not only different recipes for ice cream, but also different concepts of what ice creams are just all over the world. There are two schools of ice cream. You know, there, there's like all the defined things, you know, like gelato, sorbet, ice cream. Sherbet. Yeah, sherbets, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And then there's like all the weird stuff that people call ice cream. Like around the world, they call it ice cream, but it's not ice cream by American standards. Mm -hmm. Like I got a couple examples. Okay, great. I'm I got very... a couple examples. I'm very excited. So um, in India, they have the pista kulfi. It's typically made with milk, evaporated milk, because it's a little... Uh, more condensed and uh, milk powder and then blend it all up let it simmer a little bit and get, let it get a little thick and then they just pour it into molds put sticks in them and then you can pull them out and they're little kulfi popsicles yeah so that's that's how they make kulfi which kulfi um, that's like a dairy popsicle yeah exactly that's basically what it is uh in turkey they have something called marash dondurma mm -hmm. forgive me if i said that wrong Apparently, like in Turkey, they have ice cream just like we do, but they also have this one ice cream that's thick and stretchy. And the thing that makes it thick and stretchy is it's made with salep, a wild orchid root, huh. which like, I don't know, it, it changes something in the ice cream. And like it was described to me as being almost like mozzarella in like texture. That so, sounds incredible. Yeah, right? So so this, this root does something that gives it this weird stretchiness structure. Then in Iran, they have falude, um, which is th thin vermicelli noodles frozen with cornstarch, rose water, and lime juice, topped with freshly squeezed lime or lemon juice or light fruit syrup. So that's like more in the realm of sorbet because there's not really any you know, milk content going into that. And just the general flavor profile is a lot lighter yeah. than like most ice creams, which is like chocolate, vanilla, heavier. Yeah. You know, it's very like, oh, lime, rose water, you know, stuff like that. So I had one more thing. Mm -hmm. I kind of hinted to before we started recording. Exactly. So I have one more thing. And that is, what's the bad part of ice cream? The bad part of ice cream. Mm -hmm. I don't know what you're talking about. There is no bad part of ice cream. You wolf down that pint of half-baked like nobody's business. No, I actually record... don't. Okay, okay. I'm telling but you. Hypothetically. Hypothetically. Okay. You eat it in record time. Why is that horrible? Ah, the brain freeze. The brain freeze. And I wasn't actually going to bring up brain freeze, but I asked a couple people, what do you want to know about ice cream? And they're like, what's up with brain freeze, dude? And I'm like... <laughs> I'll tell you, I found a whole article about it from like an actual neuroscientist, which is very cool. Um, brain freeze is clinically referred to as phenopalatine ganglioneuralgia. One more time for the folks at home, phenopalatine ganglioneuralgia. 
um, which is technically defined as a rapid onset headache caused by a sudden drop in oral temperature, which is detected by your meninges. Now, there's a lot of words in there. Like, we're going to back off a I little got bit. everything except meninges. We're going to back off a little bit. When you eat a cold food or drink a cold beverage quickly, it cools the, the back of your throat, right? Mm-hmm. At the back of your throat, just past it, like just right, right there, is actually a very important junction in your arteries. Mm. A carotid ar- artery, which mm-hmm, is yeah. a main one from your heart, and a cerebral artery, cerebral brain, right. is just, it's just right back there. And so when you eat cold stuff too quickly, you don't give it a chance to warm up in your mouth. You don't give it a chance to warm up in your mouth when it gets back there it cools that junction oh, and so okay. then the blood and it's going up is a little cooler than it's supposed to be that's it by the way that's all your blood's a little cooler than it's supposed to be it's literally just cold blood flowing through your brain yeah but the thing is your brain itself does not have any pain receptors which is why when people are doing brain surgery sometimes the patient will actually be awake for it mm-hmm. it's specifically set with they're like we're mm-hmm. not messing this up right so your brain does not have any pain receptors however there's a coating around your brain called the meninges, which you're like, what? I've never heard that before. You have heard it. It's what meningitis is. Meningitis ah, is okay. an infection of your meninges in your brain. Okay. okay. So your your meninges can, can detect this change in the blood flow. And your meninges hates change because your brain is susceptible to change. Nothing can change in your brain, which is why meningitis is so severe, right? Uh-huh. The meninges feels the blood is cold and it freaks out. It's like, it just, it sends this overblown pain signal to your brain. Like, Jeez. oh my God, we're dying. Jon Snow, winter's coming. No, we're all going to die. Winter's coming. And, exactly. and your brain's like, oh my God, ow, ow. Ow, why? I'm eating ice cream. Ow, no. And so the thing is what a lot of people think is that it has to do like a, with a nerve in the roof of your mouth. Mm. Um, which if you think about it, I mean like maybe, but then you would assume the pain would be in the roof of your mouth. Mm. But the thing that they tell you to do is just to press your tongue to the roof of your mouth, right? Mm-hmm. That is I've based... I've never heard that. It's like a pop culture thing. Like whenever people okay. talk about it, they're whenever like, put your tongue dad told to the me, roof of your mouth. Whenever I told my dad I have brain freeze, he said, stop eating then. Freaking stupid. And I was like, okay, I'm sorry, dad. <laughs> the article I read did also say, just stop eating it. It's like, how do you resolve brain freeze? Stop <laughs> eating like, the ice cream for a sec. You. But pressing your tongue to the roof of your mouth can speed up the process. Not because it's like soothing a nerve, but because it actually helps heat up your whole oral cavity by kind of closing things down, pressing all together right and the roof of your mouth is also naturally pretty warm and so by doing that you warm up everything up here and everything back here and the back of your throat and your brain junctions like all right we're warm again and your meninges is like okay crisis averted great job guys pack it up <laughs> always have a glass of warm water while you eat and that's ice cream. The, and that is the last thing it's yeah. just if you have a little bit of tepid water not even warm like room temperature is mm. like like barely warm then you drink that it'll also fix the problem and you'll be fine this has been secret ingredients a wnyu production this is the final episode of our first season shout out to our listeners that have supported us through these first nine episodes join us next time when we start adding other ingredients to the list